Hello, and welcome to the Smart Report podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Holly. And I'm Ingrid. Na 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 Smart Report! This week, time, we are talking about the most fun archetype, himbos. Is it the most fun? I don't know. <laughs> so here we go. I guess we're going to argue about himbos today. The first thing that we need to define is what is a himbo? What makes a book qualify as a himbo book? Okay. So I have a very strong opinion about this, that the himbo must fulfill three criteria. The himbo has to be beefy or like hot, but like kind of big hot, not like nerdy skinny hot, beefy. Number two, the himbo must be kind, just like a kind, gentle soul. And number three, the himbo has to be a little dumb. Like, big, beautiful idiot. Think about the secretary in the gender-swapped Ghostbusters, played by whatever Chris that was. Hemsworth. I think it was Chris Hemsworth. Was it? Chris. I think it was for Chris. <laughs> but, you know, he's like, not that bright, wears glasses without lenses in them just because they make him look smart because he has to be smart if he's going to be a secretary and has no idea what's going on classic himbo also fingers crossed the new barbie movie that ryan Cosworth's oh. ken is going to be a himbo i mean he That'd can't like ken can't be anything except a himbo, right i think all sides are pointing to that that's a good a good hypothesis i feel like another good one is jason mendoza from the good place oh yeah Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's Classic not, I mean, he's level. not like real thick, but he's like fit. <laughs> he's so funny. Okay. So, what makes a himbo fun? We're all talking about them now. Like, that's a good thing. But do you like this trope? Like, is it fun? What are we expecting out of these books? So, honestly, I feel like for me, because I have such a very specific definition, that like a lot of books that show up on himbo lists, I'm like, ah. Uh, is he a himbo? But I think what's nice about it is like himbos are just, like I said, they're just big, beautiful idiots and you just want to hug them. And they're just like so adorable and so dumb. And just (laughs) really, when you find a good one, I'm just like, this is so great, but I'm not, I'm not really sure why. So I guess I'm glad that Aaron decided that we needed to talk about this so that we can figure out why himbos are great. Yeah. I, I also feel like himbos are a specific small set of characters because I feel like they get mixed in with Golden Retriever. I don't feel like they often get mixed in with a cinnamon roll. I think a cinnamon roll is enough of a separate thing. Mm -hmm. A cinnamon roll is basically just like too kind and too good. It's like the perfect Mm -hmm. caregiver and the perfect lover and like a giver, but isn't necessarily... Well, I mean, cinnamon rolls, I feel like, are also improperly tagged like 90% Sometimes of the time. That's but true. That's that's a conversation. For <sighs> yeah. It's like yeah, who I... is really truly a synonym role. But I feel like a lot of times himbos now get mixed in with golden retrievers who are, I don't know, like they're so happy and like positive all the time that they kind of seem dumb, but they're not really dumb. And then there's like the oblivious kind of component where like you're reading the book and you're like, oh my God, get there faster. Like figure this out. And they're they're just like not putting it together, but it's not because they are not smart. It's just that they're not able to like see past their own ideas. Oblivious, I also feel like they may or may not be kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good and they may or may not be beefy. So yeah, like if you're looking at the kind, beefy, dumb trifecta and like beefy doesn't doesn't have to be like, I mean, if we're talking Jason Mendoza, like I said, he's fit, but he's not like, a thick gym rat kind of guy. He's trim. So, you know, if you just think of it in that context. Well, I mean, himbo comes from a flip on the word bimbo. And I think the reason the beefy is a good point that Holly makes is because there's the ogling factor, right? Hmm. That they've somehow benefited from having this body type. If you're a woman with very large breasts, the idea is that you you are able to kind of get through life because you've of the way that you look and then people overlook that you're maybe not so bright yeah i think that's that's a a good point point. so if we're flipping that around the reason that physical appearance does kind of play into this is that how has this person managed to have their slight lack of intelligence you know not hinder them and so the standard intelligence 
Yes. Okay. Well, because yeah, because yeah, because I mean, let's be honest. In most romance novels, he's brilliant, right? He's always brilliant. In these books, he might just have different gifts. To be honest with you, but the point is that <laughs> the point different is that. Gifts. Well, I mean, and we yes, different gifts. Y'all have gutter minds, but anyway, the point is, <laughs> I was thinking about changing the oil in your car, but whatever, it's fine. Well, no, I think this is a good point Changing because actually, oil. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I think that this is one thing that I noticed from reading for this week that I don't think I noticed while I was just picking up one here or there is they seem to have a very high EQ. Like they're very good at interpersonal relationships or being sensitive to what's going on with other people in the book. They just don't necessarily have a high IQ where they like understand what words mean or like (laughs) put things together quickly, you know, but they're like, they seem to be more checked in emotionally. Yes. With people, it seems like. So it's, it is kind of focusing on how people are still valuable when they don't fit a maybe quote traditional model of attractiveness which would be like wealth smarts physical beauty right like you know if we're talking about classic romance heroes or like tall dark handsome billionaire there aren't any billionaire himbos right because (laughs) it doesn't match the archetype you know if you're gonna be the ceo hero or a mafia hero or like any type of these like classic alpha heroes you have to be ruthless and smart in a way that just himbo characters are not. So I think it, himbo is kind of an interesting subversion on hyper-masculine, potentially to- toxically masculine romance hero tropes, but in a way that's not like, oh, he's a beta. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't love this terminology, but you know what I mean? He's not like a subservient kind of hero he's still hyper masculine but in a very different way right well it's almost because like you would have to know what a hierarchy is in order to play into that and these guys don't necessarily know that i mean let's be real here and i think that's part of the allure is that like yeah if if you don't know that there's a game being played then you're just kind of earnest and you're you know so it's kind of heartful and vulnerable in a weird way so i don't know i I found that I really enjoyed it a lot more than I anticipated. I haven't read a ton of them, to be fair, but apparently the ones that I've read have been really good. So what do you, have we have we not read a lot of them? Because I feel like I haven't read a lot of them because there aren't a lot of them, not because I don't choose to read a lot of them. Like I feel like if they were easier to come by, I would read more. You think that's accurate? Well, yeah, because I think that like I've read books where he pretends to be a himbo, but he's not really a himbo. Do you know what I I mean? Where that's like a game. Oh, she thinks I'm stupid. So I'm going to, but it's always that he actually has all this money or he's actually like super smart. And so I I think that that says something that we as, we haven't really just leaned into that aspect of manhood or what that would look like in a partnership. And I think that might be why the ones that I have read, I was able to actually recall one of them (laughs) because it stuck out in my mind because it was refreshing and it was it, i mean it's funny because it's kind of set up for there to be kind of moments of misunderstanding or comedy but they're also kind of earnest and fresh and sweet so it's i just it's different we're used to men having to be powerful we're used to men having to be the ones who protect and save and i think it's interesting to have that be flipped around a little bit yeah and i think building off of this i think what ingrid just said about we're used to having the man be powerful not just in life but in particular, in romance novels, we're mm-hmm. used to having, if this is fantasy for female readers, say, or like cishet female readers, is the fantasy is there's a man who's going to come and protect me and who's going to take care of shit, right? And in my life, like, what do I want? I want somebody else to just take care of things sometimes. And so this is why people want to read billionaires. It's the fantasy of someone else is going to take care of stuff. And himbos are not necessarily going to come in and take care of stuff. It's not this, this stuff is going off my plate. It's Or if they do, it's surprising, right? right. Like, oh, I'm feeling sick. And they're like, oh, well, 
I'm going to bring you soup. But it's like the other protagonist is totally not expecting that they will get to relinquish control of dealing with the situation. Well, one thing that I noticed that I thought was interesting with the, with the himbo books is it's the theme of like, it's really that simple. You don't necessarily have to be a genius to love someone well, mm-hmm. to treat them with well, dignity, yeah. to treat them with respect, to care about them when they're down, to figure out how to make them feel better, right? Like you don't, you don't have to be a genius. You can just be a, a normal person. You can be a himbo. And you can have a beautiful, healthy relationship with somebody because it's that simple. And that's what I thought was kind of refreshing and cute was that it was just, it's, it really distilled it down into you don't necessarily need to be with the most impressive person in the room. You need to be with the person who sees you and cares about you and chooses you. Yeah. So like, for example, in Mr. Impossible by Loretta Chase, there's a scene kind of two thirds through the book where the hero, Rupert Carsington, who I will argue is the platonic ideal of the himbo hero. But there's one point where he says to the heroine Daphne, he's like, I might be a big dumb ox, but I have feelings too. And my feelings count for something and you need to listen to my feelings. And that's like exactly what Ingrid was saying, right? It's that it doesn't have to be complicated. You can be just kind of who you are and your love still counts and your feelings still count. Yeah. So I read... And it is on the top of pretty much all the lists that I looked at against a wall by Kate C. Wells. And so we on the Smart Report have been lovingly calling this book Truck Nuts because the book starts with the hero having a giant monster truck with truck nuts hanging off of the hitch. And um, he is like what Holly defined. He's big and beefy. He is gregarious, so like it's a small town, and he goes around and he like is friendly with everybody, you know. And he's he's not like he's not a dummy, but he's not really like that smart. So my favorite example thus far, there were so many, but one of them is when the heroine actually accidentally gets grazed by a bullet, and he's carrying her down the mountain, which in and of itself is hilarious. And then she asks for some aspirin and he turns around and asks the hunters that were with them, like, do you have any aspirin? And one of them says, well, I have some ibuprofen. And he gets mad and says, I don't think she cares about brand names right now because he doesn't realize that they're not the same thing. It's stuff like that. It's so subtle. These details matter because like in other books, it would be like, oh, you have to pepper in these details about how he's not really that dumb. But in this book, it's just like he's worried about her. He doesn't care what you give her. Just give her something to help her feel better. Gosh darn it. And that's the whole book. But the example of himbo that Holly lined out up, it was exactly dead on. It's that simple. He just loves her. He does it kind of fumblingly in the beginning. Is that a word? Sure. Well, yeah. we, made it, we made it one now. But the point is that like he just the whole time he's just super earnest. He just wants to be with her. He knows he's kind he's not, you know it's just the cutest darn thing ever. He's, he is quintessential himbo. There's a reason it's at the, at the top of every list. That's true. It was a popular one on the himbo lists that I found too. I think the other interesting thing about this one is like, it's fun because I mean, I think a lot of times it's written to be a little bit of a comedy because it's funny when people can't figure stuff out, <laughs> I guess, which maybe we should uh, think about, <laughs> but like, you know, those situational things that happen in life where you're like, uh, you don't know that word? How am I supposed to handle this? Like, that's a that's a word that people know generally, right? Or whatever. But the other, the other thing is it's acknowledging that we have opportunities to and responsibilities to care about people who are different than us or different than what we think is like the best or whatever you want to plug in the romantic ideal or even like a human ideal. Cause a lot of times, you know, you'll have the characters in these stories who are like, they already know the value of this person and they're besties with this Kimbo character because they already know their value. And then it seems like typically on the other side, you have the, the other protagonist and potentially that protagonist's friends or like other secondary characters who don't see past the beefy and dumb components, and therefore write off the character. So it's an interesting way to examine how we approach people, especially based on how they appear versus how they are. Yeah. So kind of jumping off this question of the 
himbo's friends versus the other protagonist's friends. So I read a couple of various books that have been marked as himbo books, but I just, I read some histroms, right? Because that's where I'm at in my life. And there was a, a frequent pairing is like the himbo blue stocking in historical romance, or like, I guess in contemporary, it could be like the himbo nerd pairing. And so I'm curious if you guys noticed this or like what kind of work this pairing of ultra intellectual versus ultra non-intellectual is doing here, right? And it, I think feel like it goes back to like Big Bang Theory is the the neighbor bimbo is like, you know, she's a waitress and she doesn't know about science. And like, it's all about her playing off these nerds with no social intelligence. I think there was a question in there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so I, well, I think the question is, what is that dynamic? I think it's just that particular dynamic is a really good opposites attract because it's, it's a very clear social understanding that we already would come into a book with that these two are really different and they seem like they should have nothing in common, but they have an opportunity to find things in common. So it's, it's kind of a good for storytelling. I would think, think it's a good why can't they be together right now? It's because they don't understand each other and they don't see each other yet. And then mm -hmm. as they get to know each other, they start to break down barriers and see each other more clearly and then become vulnerable to each other so that they're willing to be there for each other. Like they go through those steps of, do you see me? Do you choose me? Do you, you know, can I count on you? Like it's a natural progression as they come closer together and start seeing each other more clearly. Um, I don't think all of mine had that level. I mean, I, ha I actually am going through my list and I there are several. The one that I read for this week, The Sunny Side, is a, the himbo character is a model and he spent the past decade being stoned like all the time. It seems like it's just going to be very like silly and cute, but that both of these protagonists have a lot of trauma in their pasts uh, that they have to deal with from their upbringing. So like the model character he was abused as a child. He was homeless for a little while. And then he was kind of like discovered accidentally by one of the employees of the other protagonists and became a world famous supermodel. So he's like a millionaire now, but just because he's really hot. <laughs> but he spent most of the past decade like totally high. And now he's quit the weed. And so that makes him a little, that's one thing that makes him more accessible to the other character. But the other character is like the CEO of the modeling agency. He owns the agency. He runs the agency. So he's not really a nerd. Oh, and the other fun thing about the model character is that he he's severely dyslexic. And that was one of the reasons that he was abused as a child. And his parents were just like, you're dumb. So he never learned how to read or how to cope with that disability until he was in his late teens or maybe even an adult. So like he feels dumb because he can't read, but he is really good with numbers and reading like uh, negotiating contracts. So other models rely on him for help. So like he he is very emotionally intelligent and he does have things that he's good at, but he's so got so much abuse that he he just only thinks of himself as dumb and also puts himself in positions where he needs to be a people pleaser. Like the only way I have value to you is if I please you in bed. And so what I want doesn't matter. And so some of their dynamic is like the other character saying like, no, <laughs> if you don't want to do it, we're not going to do it, you know? But the other character is a CEO. He's not necessarily like significantly smarter, you know, like he's not necessarily better with money than the other guy, but he's like high powered and a workaholic and very emotionally closed off. Um, so that's a, I, you know, like that's a different dynamic, but going through my list, there are several that I would agree with you. The astronaut and the star. Um, and he, I don't know how dumb he is. He has a raging case of ADHD, but like she's a genius. <laughs> she's right. a genius astronaut. And he is just like an actor who kind of never really knows what's going on. And he's like trying his hardest, but life is a mess for him. Or like Pisces Hooks Taurus by Anita Sunday is one where like he's totally a himbo and just like living his life. <laughs> And the guy is an English, the other guy is an English professor. Right. Or like A Week to Be Wicked by Tessa Dare is like, she's a genius geologist and he's just like a guy. And <laughs> like a I don't know Lord. if I would call him a himbo <laughs> precisely because there's some other stuff going on with this book that maybe we can talk about later. Raised some other questions about the characterization for me, but 
you know, but he's just like a guy and he's like, oh, why would I want to learn all this science? Like, that seems hard. Right. But she's like a super genius. And it's the same in Mr. Impossible. The heroine is like absolutely brilliant, is like the smartest Egyptologist in all of English Egyptology. And there are a couple of scenes where she kind of starts talking about Coptic and languages because she's a linguist. She like wants to decipher the hieroglyphics and everybody else in the room is just like, oh my God, she's like talking about this boring stuff again. And the hero, the himbo is just like, well, I don't understand what she's saying, but like, she's really excited about it. And that's sexy. Right. So there's definitely that kind that kind so of sweet. dynamic. Like, you know, it's it's like so heartwarming. Maybe it's because I'm a super nerd and I just want I just want like a hot beefy dude to like recognize how sexy it is when I use my big magnificent brain. <laughs> yes, definitely. See, so now I had one, the pilot and the puck up is like that, where he's kind of a beefy goofball. And she's a super successful pilot or whatever. But the one I just read, Truck Nuts, neither of them are like super brilliant gifted. She's an artist, though. She's a photographer. And mm-hmm. his best friend is, a, is an artist. I don't think she's like super successful yet, but he just believes in her. Mm-hmm. Like has always believed in her, has always thought she was super talented, even when he was like showing it really horribly by teasing her about her artwork and stuff. But the point is that he thought she was really brilliant and was supportive. So like, I think what you said there, Holly, about like how you just want to be like this nerd and have somebody like listen to you and really moon over you while you're doing your amazing nerd stuff. I, I'm not even sure it has, you have to be like super high achieving for that to work in these himbo books. It's basically just that this person thinks that whatever you're into is so cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, Sorry, that's like, that? total draw of this books is that it's just somebody who's just like so happy to be with you and to be excited about what you're excited about it it's like that is something about that i that is maybe unique to a himbo book mm-hmm. that it's just like it's that simple yes it's all warm fuzzies yeah yeah because yeah. i feel like there are a lot of romance novels where it's like oh i'll encourage you you, you don't think you're talented enough, but like, I believe in you. I'll encourage you to like go to art school or like try out for whatever or mm-hmm. live your dream, blah, blah, blah. But not at this level of like, wow, just like watching you do your thing just makes me so happy. You know, mm-hmm. the dynamic's a little different. It's mm-hmm. like, I feel like the, I encourage you is much more paternalistic. Yes, right? that's yeah. exactly it. You know, so in this one, in Truck Nuts, there's this part where, so she's trying to be a photographer. She's been working really hard on it. And there's this scene where they're in the cabin that he's building and she's like poking around after they've been together or whatever. And she finds out that all of these photographs that she thought she sold to other people are all, he's he has them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And she's like, what is this? Like, what is going on? And my first thought was, oh, he's having other people buy them for him. Because that's like what a paternalistic super wealthy, smart, normal smut hero would do. No, he's like, well, people know they can get more money from me. So like other people would buy the the pictures and then they'd be like, hey, you want to buy it? And they'd mark up the price and he'd pay more <laughs> to get the pictures. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, honey. <laughs> he, yeah. So like one of them, she was like, this one? And he was like, yeah, she thought this guy bought it for his mom for Mother's Day. And he was like, you know, well, he did, but it was so that he could get more money to buy something else. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, guys, like, I sat here the whole time. I laughed. I cried. It was remarkable. Okay, so then that maybe raises a question. I have two separate branching thoughts now. Maybe we'll come back to the other one. But that kind of raises the question of like, how does this work without the character being a, a mockery or totally subservient? I don't know if that's the word I want, but like to the other character, like how how does this work as these a coming together of equals? Right. Well, because that so could be a- I think. Yeah, you're right that there could be a big power 
imbalance. But I think what one of you said earlier about emotional intelligence comes in here, right? Is that the himbo character shows that they have other skills, right? And like, so, uh, you know, I'm just going to go back to Mr. Impossible. So, <laughs> so basically they end up together because the heroine's brother gets kidnapped and she goes to the consulate and is like, I need help finding my brother. And they're like, we can't spare anybody. And then they're like, wait a minute. We have this dumbass who keeps getting arrested because he keeps getting in fights with like the local police in Egypt. And they're like, we have this dumbass for you. And she's like, oh man, do I have to have this dumbass? And her maidservant says, you know, you have enough up here for six men. You don't need a man with a great brain. You need a man with big muscles and great courage. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, good point. I'll do the thinking and he'll do the brawning. <laughs> and, um, and like, it definitely takes her a while to figure out that he's worth it. But like, you know, he brings other things to the table. He brings fighting skills to the table. He brings a sense of fair play to the table. He brings kind of like savvy about their surroundings to the table and he brings care to the table and so even though it could be unequal especially in this case because like literally every single person in the book is like man rupert carsington what a dumbass but it's just because he's just like doing his thing and the heroine comes to recognize the benefits that he brings to the relationship if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Like Ingrid was saying, he can change the oil in her car. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to put it emotionally, to put it from an emotional standpoint, I think what I'm noticing as a trend here is whether or not the non-himbo, right, the other part of it, whether or not they are super gifted, super successful, whatever, in one of mine, the truck nuts, she's not necessarily like super brilliant, but she is really stuck in her own head. Mm -hmm. And one of the big benefits that these himbo relationships bring is, come be with me. Let's slow down. There's a simplicity and just a basic emotional connection that seems to slow things down and ground the other character more. So we were saying emotional intelligence and stuff like that, but I think it's, I think that that might be part of the draw. You know how we've talked about how like well, with the billionaire, it's okay, they can sweep in and solve all my problems for me. Mm -hmm. And this one is, I can slow you down. I can make you be here with me, even when you're overwhelmed and everything. In the moment, it's like too much. Yeah, you can just be here with me, and I'll be a safe, a safe, you know, pair of big biceps for you to lay your head on, kind of a thing. <laughs> and that that might be the draw. Like maybe that's what it is that makes these work so much is just slow me down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's one of the ones. So this this is one that I want. This is so we're coming back to the other branch that I wanted because we had talked about hyper competence versus like the himbo but i would categorize blake riley in good boy by sabrina serena bowen as a himbo and he's like very golden retrievery too but he i mean he's a professional hockey player he wants to do the nicest thing like he f forces himself to be best friends with like his teammate and his boyfriend when they're still like secretly <laughs> together. Um, this is a spinoff from like the him series. So the him series came first and was really popular. And Blake comes in and he's like, Hey, Wes, we're going to be like best friends. Cause we live in the same building now. And Jamie and Wes are like, Oh my God, what are we going to do about this big dumb guy who can't figure out when to leave? And like, we have to pretend not to be together. And this is so awkward. But like when the when things hit the fan, he's like totally there for them. So then in the course of that book, Jamie gets sick and he, Blake is trying to be there for him. And that's how he may, meets Jamie's sister. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Good Boy is about Jamie's sister and Blake. And Jamie's sister is like, oh my God, this dumb guy. Why did I have sex with him? Okay, fine. But like she knows that he has a good heart. She's just like, I can't deal with you right now. But the other thing about her is that she hasn't figured out what she wants to do with her life. And so like, she's kind of a joke in their family. There are six kids in the family. So she's kind of a joke in their family because she, she keeps on doing the new profession. She's like, but now I'm going to be a party planner. But now I'm going to be a jewelry designer. So mm -hmm. in this case, she's like, because when Jamie was sick, she so appreciated 
the nursing staff who took care of him. She's like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to put the effort into. Like, I'm going to go to nursing school and I'm going to do this. But it's hard, right? So like she gets into school, she's going to school, but she's like, I fail at everything and it's hard. And and so she doesn't have like the hyper-competence component, but we do have Blake coming in and being like, well, you know, there's one moment where she like feels like she failed a practicum because she didn't take any notes. And then Blake is talking to her and he's like, well, what was this patient like in this case? And what was going on with the patient when you talked to her about this? And like, what about the patient here? And she realizes from talking to him that she actually did observe everything that she needed to. And it was just like, Blake knew enough to ask the right questions. Like he doesn't have any idea what she's talking about. He doesn't know how to do the nursing. But he's just like, I don't know. It sounds like you're paying really close attention. So I think you got this. And she's like, oh, so it, I mean, he's definitely a himbo, but like there's less of a, like she's also enough of a mess that there's Mm. not like a significant power dynamic. It's just like, she's kind of in there being like, oh man, this guy. (laughs) And he's just like, oh man, she's so awesome. (laughs) But I don't know if that like changes the conversation or or it's just one other example. Do you guys remember the cowboy book we all read together last year? The Big Bad Cowboy? Yeah. Okay. So I hadn't considered that book, but like as we're initially, but as we're talking, I'm like trying to remember if he would be a himbo character just because he's not that bright. He's like doing manual labor. She's like a successful business owner. He's like hired onto this with job. With a graduate because, degree. Like, yeah. with a gra- And like she's she hired onto yeah. this job because the woman who owns the house is like, ooh, look at that beefy man cake. I want to like, have that beefy man cake digging up rocks in my yard but i don't remember enough about see i feel like i recall him being more like he was in a bad spot Mm. because he was also a single parent right or he was trying to get adopt his brother's kid so i don't recall him being like i mean i could see if if a couple different choices were made i could see him being a himbo but i'm not sure that he wasn't he wasn't actually not very smart into my memory i think that he was just in a bad spot right and like like life had not yeah it was situation yeah so i I think it was more like he's a blue collar worker so then that comes into like the question of okay like i think a lot of times when we hit the blue collar worker archetype they are not written as like less intelligent than anybody else that's true. Maybe unless that's an intentional dynamic because the other partner is like a white collar professional. It's like, how could I be with this right. blue collar person? I feel like oftentimes they're not treated as like a like a himbo a just because tier. they didn't go to college yeah. and chose right. to be an electrician instead. I f- yeah, I feel like a himbo oftentimes is just gonna they're gonna lean right into mm-hmm. how not smart they are, like conventionally, right? It's like. In a situation that you find yourself in, are you going to like take the logical choice of dealing with it, or are you like gonna be kind of confused? Or ah, that's maybe not a good example because I feel like oftentimes they're socially savvy, but mm-hmm. they're. I feel like oftentimes the himbo is gonna be like, "But what do you mean?" Well, like Ingrid had with the aspirin versus ibuprofen comment, like, yeah, right. Or like, that's something you were telling us earlier, Ingrid, about like. He's like when he said uses metaphorically correctly. In oh yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's threatening the ex boyfriend because he, you know, was hassling the girl and threatens to put him through the window. But then he knows that's going to upset the girl, so he's like metaphorically. And then he leaves, and she turns to the ex and she goes, "I, I didn't know he knew how to use the word meta- metaphorical either." And it was a really <sighs> good example because it's like she was happy that he was sticking up for her and that she, she he just made it really simple you don't make you don't make her feel bad you're not allowed to do that it's that simple if you do i'm going to put you through the window metaphorically of course but not really i'm actually going to put you through the window <laughs> yeah it was fantastic <laughs> guys oh. yeah and that goes back to aaron's question about how do you do it without you know making it condescending or or mean-spirited and i think i think that that really depends on the author's skill and being able to see people for for their value like to really be able to figure out how did this person develop these skills to be so personable and to like love someone so wholeheartedly and stuff. And like, how does that background 
kind of tie into the choices that this person makes. And apparently, you know, I've had a really great experience reading some of these books. So yeah, well, and I think also it's I think one of one of you pointed out that they tend to be comedies, right? And I think also a big part of it is that, you know, there's this funny stuff that happens, but it's never that you're laughing at the himbo, right? Yeah. It's like we're laughing with him, maybe. Yeah, or the situation is or at the funny situation because in which they find yeah, themselves. It's a humor, yeah. But it's an, it's like they're not mean spirited comedies. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I have this is kind of like an off topic question for you guys. Mm. So because I'm curious what you think about the the books where they put on kind of a protective shell himbo persona and how these work as himbo books or maybe not. So, uh, for example, in A Week to be Wicked by Tessa Dare, Colin is kind of a feckless rake character. And he, you know, thinks at the beginning, nothing he does ever really works out. And so he doesn't think of himself as like particularly smart or gifted, but more because he's like, I, I ruin everything I touch. And there's a scene kind of later in the book where they're at a house party and there's the she's like pretending to be his mistress. It's a whole thing, but he purposely loses at cards and he loses all of their money. And she's just like, what are you doing? And he's like, no, people like me because I lose at cards and I'm graceful about it. And, you know, so that he has this kind of public persona where he goes out and acts like he's kind of dumber than he really is because it makes people like him. So I felt like, I don't know. When I was reading it, I'm like, I feel like you have too much trauma to really be a himbo and that this is kind of more a persona that you have than who you actually are. And so, I'm not sure if there's a question in that. Just like, what do you guys think about yeah, that dynamic? Yeah, I think, well, I, as you were talking, I went back through my list of tagged himbos from whenever I started keeping track of them. And now I have enough books that I don't always go back and back tag everything. <laughs> because mm -hmm. there are too many it would take forever but first of all there aren't a ton of them some of them i would even say like maybe they don't totally qualify as a himbo they're maybe more like golden retriever but i have not tagged any that would fall under that category i think i just mm -hmm. don't even consider that a himbo because they're not being sincere they're, it's not a sincere mm. kind beefy dumb it's yeah. a front and so they're actually clever and they're just like putting on a front. So maybe they're like, maybe that would fall under Golden Retriever. Maybe that would fall under like, I don't know. At one point you had raised, Holly, the question of jocks versus himbos versus something. Because I think that's too, it's like the kind beefy dumb, like you got a lot of beefy jock characters. Like Ingrid, yours was a jock, right? Too. So like, yeah, there's some overlap there, but it's, it's not just well, a jock is a different, like a jock doesn't necessarily also incorporate kind and dumb maybe well i want to go back to the definition of himbo because remember that this is a him bimbo and so i think that the thing holly made some really good distinguishing characteristics arguments in the beginning which i stand by a hundred percent but i also think that it's important to remember that when we talk when people have historically talked about bimbos it's that this person has been able to achieve a certain you know status in mm. life or because their appearance mm. lends some benefits. So, so Aaron, in your case, yeah, maybe that was something that they a mask that they intentionally put on. Was that Aaron or Holly? That was me. Mm -hmm. yeah. You, Holly. So, but is it that he was actively hiding his intelligence, or is it that he realized that he was never going to be able to be the smartest guy in the room, so he just leaned into it? Because in Truck Nuts, mm -hmm. he has his twin sister is autistic. And so he's because she asked him, like, why are you the way you are? And he's aware enough to be able to say, my sister, you know, had a really hard time socially. And so his way of helping her was he understood his role in the family was to be as affable and social as possible. But it's actually he actually would prefer to live up in the mountains and kind of socialize less. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So he, just because you're aware doesn't mean that it's fake. It's just we all get through life in, in you know, like 
we take lessons and we learn about what works for us. And that's the definition of bimbo. Hmm. If you're, you're not going to be the smartest woman in the room if you're a bimbo, but you look really nice and you're really happy and friendly. And so you, people like to be around you and you get, you know, social benefits from that. And I think that's what a himbo is. Interesting. So, okay. Because I'm also curious. I don't know if I fully agree with that. Well, okay. Go ahead, Erin. Well, okay. A couple things. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not true in the case of life because I think that's definitely true. And it's true literary. So I'm talking about it in, in terms of like just distilling this down as an archetype. Because if we're, if we're, I'm not saying that they can't be aware that they're dumb. I think a lot of times they have been told enough times in their life that they're not smart or they're not the smartest crayon in the box or whatever it is, not the sharpest tool in the shed, all those fun sayings that we have, that they're aware of it, but also they're not, it's not something that they can, maybe we're talking around two sides of it, but it's like, it's not something that they can overcome. So the I right. just the reason that I feel like I disagree with maybe it's just the way that you described it is because the way that you're describing it is it's a choice no, for them I, I was, to be right. the himbo but like no, it's not I was a, choice it's a choice they're aware but it's yeah. No, you misheard me. I didn't mean that it was a choice and that they were making a conscious decision. I'm saying that just because just because they're aware of it doesn't mean that it's not something that they can't change. So like but no, that's what I'm saying. They can't change it. They're not going to like no. be smarter or be more book smart. Aaron, what I meant was they know that they're not smart. Just because they're aware that this is their role in life and that this benefits them doesn't mean that it's not a front. It's really them. It's just that this works for them. Just because they're aware of it doesn't mean that it's not the case. So like I was, that's why I asked Holly, It was he actually smart and lying about it? Or was this who he was? Mm. And was he using it to his advantage because he knew that this is just the way that his life worked better? Because in mm-hmm. my opinion, okay. that's the defining line. The defining line yes. is, was he lying about it? Or was this who he was and he was just aware of it? Because I don't Leaning think that... Into, yes, would, I agree with that. Because I don't think that the second version would make him not a himbo. It just means he's a very self-aware himbo, which ties hmm. back to emotional intelligence. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I think maybe I wasn't clear, but that's what I was trying to say. Just being aware of it doesn't mean it's not still true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think in the case of A Week to Be Wicked, it, the text leaves it a little bit up in the air about how because it's like he definitely there's definitely the scene where he could win at cards and chooses not to because he he thinks it will help them it will smooth things socially even if it makes it harder for them financially in the moment but yeah i mean also i feel like he's not like he's not actually dumb he just like i think it goes back to this like blue stocking himbo pairing where it just maybe kind of seems like he's dumb because she's like really really interested in science and he kind of doesn't care about science which is legit so to answer your question i'm not really sure Or, or i guess in this case the text doesn't make that line clear yeah and i also would argue that in the cases where the the himbo is not aware of his situation that's those are the cases where it might cross the line into golden retriever. Mm. Do you see what I mean? No, Can you I'm say not more saying about it, that? Right. So like it's I don't I'm not saying that it means that if you're unaware that that you're a golden retriever, but I could see there being some gray area like Venn diagram style where mm. there's some overlapping characteristics of they're just oblivious and happy to be there and they just want to, you know, be part of the party and so that's that's where it could veer into the gray area between golden retriever and himbo. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? we were talking about overlapping before and how do we define this down because there are so many different, like cinnamon roll, cinnamon roll. There's another Venn diagram there, but that one's more concise. I think I agree with Aaron because is that what you said earlier, Aaron, because it's not necessarily that they're, um, they're not really smart. You can be a really brilliant cinnamon roll that has more to do with how you love people and how you like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe that's what it is. It's, so like a golden, it's about how they're approaching a cinnamon roll and a golden retriever would both be centered in how they're approaching their world, right? They're like, so a cinnamon roll is like perfectly loving, caregiving person. Golden retriever mm-hmm. is like ray of sunshine, no clouds on the horizon, right? Mm-hmm. Or in like, and that would be different than uh, a jock or an oblivious. It was like a jock can have all kinds of other stuff going on. That's a very kind of mm-hmm. specific thing where it's just like a sportsy, beefy dude, bro, maybe. And then an oblivia may not be kind, may not be dumb, may not be beefy, but just like 
isn't interacting maybe properly with their world. <laughs> They're only seeing something through their own lens instead of seeing bigger pictures, maybe. So like a, it's like a himbo. I guess the trifecta really makes the himbo because they're both able to experience the world like a cinnamon roll or a golden retriever. And they maybe have some of the dude bro stuff going on like a jock (laughs) and they, maybe their perception or their uh, intellectual intelligence, like their cognition is not the sharpest, right? Like it's, yeah. So what we're experiencing right now is that Aaron is mapping this out with a series of Venn diagrams color coordinated in her mind and with her wild gesticulation this is officially some kind of charts and crafts activity in her head I can draw right i'll draw i'll draw a picture maybe in perhaps the show notes in the, in the podcast notes yeah we'll have Erin's chart for the wild Venn diagram thought bubble map if i can't find is. one i'll just use the picture that holly always uses with like the Disney characters or whatever they are, like cartoon characters of like kind beefy dumb hippo. Well, and I think if you distill it down, the thing is, is that the reason all of these characters that we're talking about that kind of rotate around the himbo, cinnamon roll, golden retriever, it's fearless vulnerability, total acceptance. It's really that simple. And I think that is something that I would be curious if we really did take all these tropes and kind of group them up, I think this would be a hallmark characteristic of all of them is almost disarming vulnerability because they're not going to overthink yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's a perfect pause point, but I'm also like, wait, but there's a thing that you guys mentioned earlier that I want to go back to. Cause like Ingrid, you were talking about how they, how they perceive themselves. And I did want to ask you guys about point of view and like narration style were all the books you read dual, dual POV. Yes. Uh, for this week, for, I mean, for, for all my himbos, okay, I suppose because... for the vast majority, they've got to have been because mostly I read dual POV. Okay. So because I read Think of England by KJ Charles, which is single POV from that, like in this book also appears on himbo list sometimes. And this is single POV from who would I assume be the himbo character. And I was like, I don't, I don't. I don't know if this really works. And the other book that shows up in a lot of himbo lists is Glitterland. And I also feel like it doesn't work. And that's told single POV from the non-himbo character. Hmm. Um, And so... That's interesting because I feel like Glitterland is not a bad choice. Maybe it wouldn't be my first choice, but why do you think it doesn't work? Well, I mean, I feel like it does, but I feel like part of it is that Glitterland... I feel like some of Glitterland is very mean-spirited towards Darien, or at least the, mm. the narrate not the book itself, but the narration right. is. Cause, yeah, um, cause because Ash is Ash like... is very mean-spirited towards Darien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, and I think about it, I'm like, wait, no, like Darien is kind of a classic himbo. He's really pretty, and he wants to be a model, and he like isn't very smart. <laughs> he's <laughs> <And> orange. <laughs> And he's, you know, he like wears too much spray tan. Yeah. And, but he's just like, I'm just going to like cook you my, my nan's shepherd's pie or whatever. Right. Like, I'm just going to take care of you. Like, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. I like you, of course. And everybody else in Ash's life is like, you don't know what you're signing on for. Like, yeah. His depression is so, so debilitating. You'll get, you'll get tired. Like, you don't know what you're doing. And Ash is just like, or, and Darian's just like, I got this. Like, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. You know, like, he's just so willing to just be there. (laughs) See, and this is why I actually think that it does work. I think it's, I think the reason that you feel that way is maybe, yeah, but like you said, because of the point of view and because of the narration, because if it were dual point of view, you know that it would be a slam dunk himbo case. Right. Well, that's the thing is if if it were dual POV, it'd be a slam dunk himbo case. And the same would think of England is... It's our main character is like a stolid military veteran who like is invested, like trying to investigate something at a house party, but he like doesn't really know what he's doing. And he finds himself in way over his head. And the love interest is also investigating something at his house party, but like is good at spying, right? Yeah, it's like really clever, right? Perspective. And he's very clever. And I feel like in this case also, if it were dual POV and you could see the 
the see how other people spies. are perceiving see how yeah. other people are perceiving him as yeah. a, a and and he is more of like a good old boy right he's like a he's a good old boy and so see how this other guy who is marginal marginalized in british society because he's like very flamboyantly queer and jewish and portuguese and a poet but very smart and yeah so seeing how they would see each other i feel like would maybe highlight the himbo dynamic but told single pov from the good old boy's perspective he's just like oh yeah this is just kind of how it is his reality yeah he doesn't see himself as dumb he just sees himself as maybe like i'm doing this i'm in the situation where i'm uncomfortable and i don't necessarily know how to handle it properly you know but also he's like figuring out that he's actually gay which is like a whole other like that's really what the book's about it's like oh wait wait a minute it wasn't just that it's more convenient to have sex with men when you're in the army it's that i actually just (laughs) like having sex with men Hmm. How interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, I think also that is one of those himbo, but I don't know. <sighs> so many thoughts. But I think that that's one of those moments where like POV really matters. So maybe KJ Charles wasn't trying to write a himbo and people are shoehorning this character into this himbo space because he doesn't know what's going on or whatever position he finds himself in. I'm referring mm-hmm. to think of England. I think because of Ash's perspective and Darian's presentation in Glitterland, it's easier to slot him in as a himbo, even though he is not a POV character. But I think for for authors who go into the storytelling wanting to show a himbo, wanting the character to really be a himbo, like that is a writing goal. And so having both points of view, mm-hmm. one maybe demonstrating like okay, I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm just going to go with it. Or like some of these things that Ingrid has been describing of just wanting to be there, just giving all of your kindness and love can demonstrate that. But then like the reverse POV exists then so that you can also see how other people are perceiving this person as like not being the brightest crayon in the box. I'm going to see how many of these uh, euphemisms I can plug in as we keep going. But you know, like if if an author is trying to do this intentionally, having both of those points of view, there that's both sides are gonna be doing work to develop the character. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, and it yeah, it does help with like in the books that I'm thinking of. So in both books, in examining why this person that you didn't think that you would normally be with is awakening all these feelings in you and helping you feel more vulnerable, it it that the shifting of the perspective is what really cracks that open, that vulnerability, because it I think that the you, really, you, that question, that's one of the reasons why it's the self-examining starts. Why do I like being with you? Why does it feel so easy when I'm with you? Why am I not overthinking this, et cetera, and so forth? Maybe I feel maybe I feel better because I'm not overthinking this. Maybe it really is just that simple. Oh, such a great dynamic. When you're talking about it, Ingrid, I'm like, yeah, this is what I love about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe... Maybe I recognize some traits of my own in this. <laughs> but also, I just think it's really, I get really excited whenever we start cracking into and breaking down how these work and why they work, because I think that it's juicy and fun. So I really enjoy it. And himbos are so fun because like you said, or like we discussed in the beginning, romance novels if when you start reading them, there are so many that are about powerful dude, desperate for independence or finding themselves woman. And these are very much kind of, it's inverted. And I think that's juicy and fun. And gosh darn it, it's just that simple. I just like them. It's just that simple. Okay, Ingrid. So can you recommend a himbo book? Or are you just going to recommend Truck Nuts again? <laughs> yeah, I, have, I should say out of responsibility that it's not actually Truck Nuts. That's just what we're calling it because let's be real. The truck nuts are amazing. It's Against a Wall by Kate Wells. And will I be, it's a series. Will I be reading all the other books in this series? The answer is yes. I believe that his twin sister, Dina, has her own romance novel and she's autistic and stims and does all that stuff. So I'm really interested in reading that one because I felt that this one was handled with such sensitivity and it's just heartful and I enjoyed it very, very much. And it does not 
So I want to say this. Handled with sensitivity but does not shy away from controversial stuff. It's just handled very matter-of-factly and simply. So I'm really curious to see how that one other one is handled. But anyway, yes, against a wall. But aka truck nuts. Let's make that a thing. <laughs> okay. So like I said earlier, Mr. Impossible by Loretta Chase, Lu- Rupert Carsington is the platonic ideal of a himbo. And I just want to read you guys his declaration of love. Woohoo! Because it just it's just shows. Okay. So, here's I liked you from the moment I first heard your voice, he said. When I had no idea what you looked like, I thought it was delicious the way you bargained for me as though I were an old rug. Then I loved the way you looked at me. Then I loved the way you ordered me about. I loved your patient and impatient ways of explaining things to me. I love the sound of your voice and the way you move. I love your courage and your kindness and your generosity and your obstinacy and your passion. He paused. You're the genius. What do you think that means? She threw him a sidelong glance. I think you're insane, she said. Perhaps <laughs> you have developed an infection which has gone directly to your head. I am not insane, he said. A woman of your highly advanced intellect ought to be able to perceive that I am in love with you. I wish you had told me. It was deuced embarrassing to find it out from your brother. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Now I'm going to read that one. I have it at home. <laughs> Because earlier, you know, he's like having a conversation with her brother and her brother's like, are you in love with her? And he's like, well, no, but, but and then like goes on this whole tear about how awesome she is. And her brother's like, oh my God, you are in love with her. And he's like, huh, I've been wondering what that feeling was. <laughs> like, it's, just, <laughs> it's so great. So, but I will say just as a heads up for potential readers of Mr. Impossible, they're Egyptologists in the early 1800s and the characters hold extremely racist views about the Egyptians in Egypt. And I was trying to decide whether it's just the characters that are racist or the text itself. And I'm still parsing through that. So just a heads up, if this is something that bothers you in romance novels, maybe just like don't ever read Loretta Chase. So. That's what I'll say about that one. <laughs> That's a good caveat. That's a good caveat. Yeah. Aaron, how about you? Okay. Oh, man. Are we only going to do one? Why, why are we going to only do, do one? of the ones you want to recommend. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to be here all day if we do that. <laughs> well, okay. So I already mentioned Good Boy by Serena Bowen and L. Kennedy. Actually, I think I only said it was by Serena Bowen before, but it's actually has the both authors. It's a co-written book. So he, he is just really funny and sweet and it's a little bit of light and a little bit of challenging and it's it's a really fun read i also i mean i've got so many and i've got some that i've talked about before maybe like several times and a lot i've got a lot of hockey players like dex and irresponsible puck boy i've talked about that one in our waking up married where they like accidentally wake up married and dex is like so not aware of like that he's in love with his best friend <laughs> um, until they're accidentally married and they're just like so dumb. <laughs> it's really funny. I Maybe I'll just make it. I mean, The Astronaut and the Star, maybe it wasn't my favorite book, but I think it was really well done and there were some really fun things in there between their interpersonal dynamics and also the way that they handled their interpersonal relationships. There were some paranormal ones that I read and I was like what even is this so just like to toss that out maybe read your own reviews and decide if it's something that you actually want to deal with but like one of them was Redemption by Jada Marks and I was reading it and I was like I think I made that one of my superlatives last year for like what did I even just read (laughs) like it starts out where he's it's a Faded Mates book right so like he has been looking for his mate and looking for his mate. And he's like having sex with another guy in the bathroom at a bar. And his mate comes in and he's like, you're here. And so he's like chasing after him with his penis hanging out. And the guy's like, get away from me. Like, what are you doing? And he's just like, but I just want to know you. I don't know. That was like, yeah, you can imagine. It's like, what am I reading? But I found it entertaining. Then 
another paranormal one that I don't know. Am I towing the line of Himbo because he is so competent, but everything that comes out of his mouth sounds like he's not smart. So it's Dalton in Smash and Grab by Maz Maddox. He, I mentioned him in another listicle because he is so extra. He has a hot pink mohawk. He wears like all black ripped jeans, a black leather jacket with like studs. He's got all tattoos. He wears bubblegum pink Chuck Taylors. He's like, he's a lot. And like everything that comes out of his mouth is ridiculous. But like, he's also a dinosaur shifter. So he wants to take care of his beautiful Simon that he kind of kidnaps, but also kind of rescues. And like, (laughs) he's like, it's just like, what is happening? It was a ride. It was really fun. But like, he's very competent, but also doesn't seem very smart. Maybe we could, you know, anybody who wants to read it and have a discussion, tell me what you think it toes the line. And then maybe I'll stop talking. But lastly, I just want to flag for any Rachel Reed fans, her new book coming out toward the end of the year, Time to Shine, has a himbo in it. Casey is a himbo character who's like bright, sunshiny, great at hockey, not real smart but like the sweetest guy so that was a fun read too but that's not coming out until i believe the end of september so yeah i'll just list more books all the books more books everywhere okay aaron we're cutting you off all right fine we're cutting you off (laughs) so thanks everyone for joining our podcast about himbos for full show notes you can go to smutreport.com slash podcast and yeah let us know what you think Let us know if you have any himbo books that you really recommend. We always love recommendations to add to our monstrous TBRs. And I have no idea what we're going to be talking about next time. I don't know. We have ideas. What do you want us to talk about? Let us know. See you next time. Na 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 na